Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. All right. That was a successful intro. See, we got it. <laughs> a little froggy today. Sorry about that, guys. Welcome to Agent Power Huddle. I'm Amy Izzo, realtor in the Midwest. For those of you that know me, I'm here in Indiana and Illinois. If you don't know me, now you do. So um, I'm here on Fridays and I want to, I today I want to talk to you about building rapport. I think this is a good, this is a great one. I find when I'm presenting other topics, I try to work it in and I'm like, we should just talk about it. Because it's a good thing. Let's just talk about building rapport. It is something that we are all doing every single day, whether we think so or not. So we're doing it. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about it because I think I'm pretty good at it. And I think that um, what I have to share will be helpful to you guys. And we all do this. Some of us do it real naturally. Um, some of us, it may not come as natural for to, or we may not realize that we're doing it at all. Um, so I want to talk about this a little bit today. Um, so first of all, building rapport, when I say that, I'm going to peel it all the way back. When I say building rapport, what I mean is we want to get in relationship with people that don't know us quickly so that they can feel like they know, like, and trust us. And we all do that a little bit differently, but there are some techniques that we can match to our personalities as we're out working with people to help us one, be more aware of it so that we do it more often and that we're more successful around it. And also so that when we need to adjust, maybe when we're having a challenge, getting someone that we've met or to trust us or someone that we've met to know that we really are out for their best interest. There may be some other techniques that we talk about today that you can use to help you with that. So well, I want to get people to know, like, and trust me very quickly, whether it's on the phone or in person. So how do you get someone to do business with you when you've just met them, right? That's the big question. Just met you, Amy, but you want me to give you all the money, right? the biggest transaction of my life, you want me to put that in your hands. I do. I do. And so I take some time to build rapport. Building rapport is building a friendly and harmonious relationship. Um, a relationship that's especially characterized by agreement, by mutual understanding, and by empathy that makes the communication with the other person possible and very, it feels very easy. One of the pieces of feedback I always get from everyone that talks to me and works with me is that they feel like I make everything simple and easy. That's what they always tell me. And I don't feel like I make, I mean, I do feel like I make everything simple and easy, but it doesn't feel simple and easy on my side, right? It takes, it's a process. It takes a lot of thought. I really have to be listening. I really have to be responding. So I feel like I'm working, 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 working hard, no matter how much of an expert I am on my business, because I'm working on the relationship pieces, right? I'm working on the rapport piece all of the time from the time someone meets me. And I would say throughout your rapport, even after they've trusted you, you have different levels of that over time. So, um, so 
Billing rapport, the other thing it does is it it effectively helps you to influence clients or prospective clients. Um, If you want to be able to influence clients or prospective clients to accept some of the things that you're sharing with them about the market or about their home that they're trying to sell or about part of the process or about a negotiation point when you're negotiating an offer with them uh, or when you're even negotiating your own agreements with them, they have to have some rapport with you. They have to feel like they have some rapport with you. They have to trust you on some level, even if it's new trust. So we can build, we can use some techniques to build some key ways so that people feel like we are similar to them, right? They feel like, oh, Amy is similar to me. She understands me. She agrees with me. Um, She has empathy for where I'm at in my situation. And as a result of that, Amy helps me meet my goals, right? So, and that's what we want. That's what I want everyone to think about me. Now, I'm just going to say this. This is not trickery because I hear this a lot. Oh, it's trickery. It's a manipulation. It's not trickery. It's not manipulation. It's communication. It's how we communicate with others so that they, and, and we become a bit of a chameleon, right? In how we communicate, we can adjust a little bit based on what we know they need so they can hear our messages, That's what building your rapport is. It's just a form. It's just a way of communication. And it's not a trickery. It's not a manipulation of any kind. And I do hear that a lot um, when I talk about the different techniques. So I want you all to be open to that today. Um, Communication. I used to say this. I used to say, get me in the room and I can close the deal. I need to be in the room, right? I need to be, be in the room. And really that was... Part of that was a mindset because physiology or the way that someone sees us and perceives us is a part of, um, and and now it's pretty easy to do with Zoom, right? Is a part of communication. Actually, communication is three components. 55% of communication is physiology, right? So it's the way that I move my body when I'm talking to someone. And for me, that just comes naturally, but it's also the way I do things like mirror and match someone that I'm with. Right. So if I I am a big talker, I use my hands. You can see that on Zoom. Right. I do that in person, too. It just comes really naturally to me. But if I were not talking to a whole group of people and I was talking to one person that doesn't do that, that sits, you know, sort of more like this and just really listens, I would mirror and match that physiology and sit more like this um, and just really listen and mirror what they do. Now, if they know me, that's weird. Right. And they're like, Amy's doing something weird, because if you know me, you know, I'm crazy and I move my hands and I do my thing. But if you don't know me and I'm trying to build rapport with you and I just want you to let your guard down a little bit to be open to my messages, then it's not going to be weird to you that I'm marrying matching you. You won't even know I'm doing it. (laughs) Right. Because you don't know me yet. Um, 38 percent of communication is tonality, not the words but how we say them, right? Tonality. So if I'm talking to someone and they are, they talk like I'm talking right now and they have very high energy and they're very enthusiastic and they're a little loud like I am right now, I'm going to talk back to them in a similar fashion, right? This is natural for me. 
when I talk to clients that are very soft-spoken, that is not natural to me. So I'm aware though, because I've been working on this for years, I'm aware though that that is comfortable for them. So I'll change my tonality a little bit so that when I deliver the messages to them, I'm just delivering it a little bit more subdued, a little bit more the way that they need to hear it. Sort of like you've heard me, I hope take it down a little bit of a notch here so that I can match a little uh, to match their tone a little bit as well. And so if any of us are parents, we know we change our tones with our children (laughs) when we're disciplining them or when we have something stern to say, or we're being firm about something. That would be an example of tonality, right? So it's just not the words, but how we say them. Uh, Also things like when years ago, before I was in real estate, I worked with the Ritz-Carlton. Ritz-Carlton now has a whole leadership program, but it really wasn't very widely spread there. And when I work with the Ritz-Carlton, one of the things I got a chance to study is how they train uh, Ritz-Carlton hotels is how they train their team. If you ever have an experience at a Ritz-Carlton hotel, I've been able, I've never stayed there, but I have gone there for tea and I've worked not for the Ritz-Carlton, but on projects there when I work for another corporation, um, they are like masterful in how they build rapport from the moment someone walks through the door until their stay is over. And they find, they listen and they pay attention and they hear and they find out all these little things, but they're also taught language. So they're taught things like, not to say, I'm sorry. If something goes wrong, you'll never hear at Ritz-Carlton, you'll never hear them say, I'm sorry. You'll always hear them say, I apologize. It means the same thing, doesn't it? I'm sorry, I apologize. It means the same thing. But does one seem more sincere to you? Maybe, right? And that's their belief, right? It's not the words all of the time, but how we say it. It's how we say it. So, 7% of communication that's received is the words. We focus on the words, right? When we're building rapport, that's what we are always taught. And what we're always focusing on is the words, but it's only 7% of how communication is received. So it's all important. But if we can think about it a little bit differently, we can get to rapport much faster. So um, the other thing I'll say is rapport is a process of responsiveness. So it's how I respond to the other person on the phone when I'm listening, how I respond to the person that's in front of me. It's my breathing. It's my blinking. <laughs> it's my gestures. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is. So, and, um, and you can find a way to do this naturally, um, so what are things that you can do to build rapport? I there Now I'm going to talk about lots of things you can do to build rapport. You have to find what works for you. I don't talk about a lot of things. I probably do a handful of these things. And I'll try to, as we go through, I'll try to say which ones I, I do real all the time. So some of you may know. Um, some of you that know me may know. So um, compliment. I always look for something to compliment every anyone on. It's my personality. I really like to give a compliment to the other person. It's sincere. I won't give an insincere compliment. So I'm not going to say something I don't mean, but I always look for an opportunity. And, and I'll say, here's why it's my personality, because I'm a silver lining person. So you ever hear the find the silver lining, even in the worst moment, I can find the silver lining. It's a skill set because it's not always easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Um, so it's definitely a skill set and something I've always worked on, but it also comes a little bit naturally to me. Like I just always can find the silver lining. So I feel like I can always find a compliment. 
So I have somebody call me and they'll say, so I'll get a call. I got a call yesterday. And someone said, ah, I, I read all your Google reviews and I'm really nervous and I'm a first time home buyer. And I, I, I don't, I don't even know where to start. And I, and I was like, Oh, great. What's your name? Cause they didn't even tell me their name. Right. And so she says, Betty, I'm going to make the name up. <laughs> and so she says, Betty. And I said, Oh, great, Benny. You did the exact right thing calling me. Congratulations. I complimented her. I don't know what to do. I'm a mess. Like, no, she's not. You did the exact right thing by calling me. Let's then I just said, let's start from the beginning. Tell me your story. Where are you in the process? Right now, she just told me I'm a mess and I want to be a first time home buyer. But why am I asking her where is she in the process? Well, I want to bring her down from all of that. I don't know what I'm doing. And I read all your stuff and uh, I'm calling you, but I'm unsure. Right. That's really what she's saying. I'm calling you, but I'm not sure. Right. So and I don't think I know anything. The truth is, she knows a lot of things. She knew to call me. Yay. So I complimented her. Right. Now, there's other ways you can compliment people, too. If you're in someone's home for a listening appointment, that's super easy. You can find a lot of things to compliment. Always when I thank them for having for having me in their home right away, you know, say, oh, where can I set my things down, set my things down and find something to compliment them on. When I walk through someone's door for a listing appointment, first three things I do. Thank you for having me. I'm so thrilled to be in your home. Oh, where can I set my things down? You know, or I'll even say, oh, if there's a natural place, can I set my things here at the dining room table? So, and I always ask, right? Ask for permission. So, and that builds rapport too, right? I always ask them. So, but I lead, I'm leading. So that's the second thing. I work, I set my things, I set my things down. And then I find something to compliment that. Wow, you have a beautiful home. Wow, I really love your kitchen. Something, there's something in my face that I like. Even if the, I'm in the ugliest home on the block, they have a picture up that I like. There's something in the room that I can compliment them on. So I stayed a sincere compliment. Um, I'll even justify the compliment, right? So what do you mean by that? I mean, justify the compliment. We'll give them the reason. So when the gal called me, I was like, I'm a mess and I don't know what to do. I'm like, you know what to do. You called me. That was great. Now tell me your story. Where are you in the process? Right now you use your language. This is how I talk. This is my language. This is how I make people comfortable. This is how I'm comfortable. So you say it the way you would say it. Same thing in their house. Oh, I love that picture because it reminds me of this picture that my mom had when I was a kid in the dining room. So, oh, oh, you have a pic. This is my favorite. When they have pictures of them on cruises in their house, I love to cruise. I'm like, oh my gosh, where was that cruise? I love that picture. My favorite thing to do is to go on a cruise. That's the truth. My favorite way to travel is cruising. So I'm looking for opportunities. I'm learning to golf. When I see a golf picture, I'm like, I love you. You golf who golfs. So that is great, you know, or golf tee or an award or whatever. I'm learning to golf and I'm really learning that I like it. People love to tell me about, you know, what I should learn about golfing. Right. And it's true. I am learning. I don't really know how I'm not very good. <laughs> um, so compliment them. So you can state a sincere compliment. You justify the compliment. You can ask questions. So when I'm in someone's house, when I'm in a Fizbo's house and I started off just like a listing appointment, I always will ask them to give me a tour of the home and I'll ask them questions while they're giving me a tour of the home. So about the home, about the traffic. So how long have you been trying to sell the home? How did you market it? How did you price it? I'm just curious. We're having conversation as they're showing me their house. They're, they're bragging about their house. So I can ask them questions about the things that they're bragging about in their home. 
One thing people, uh, we like people who like us, right? We like people who like us. So our clients want to know we like them. That's all. Our potential clients want to know we like them. So that's what the compliments are about. And you can always find sincere compliments. Find common beliefs, right? You don't know this person and they don't know you. So you have to find common beliefs that you guys can connect on. So they know that you have empathy for them and that you will have their best interest at heart. My favorite, it's old school. I learned it before I was ever in real estate. When I was back in sales in corporate America is Ford, F-O-R-D. That is my favorite. I can remember it and I have a memory, a good memory. So I can remember it. <laughs> and it's just, it comes natural to me. Now there's lots of versions of this, but this is my version. This is what I like Ford. I didn't make it up. I, I learned it. Family at the F is family, family, occupation, right? What do you do for a living? Recreation. What do you like to do for fun? And dreams. What are your dreams? What are your goals? Ford. Find common beliefs. So you can, when you're in someone's home, super easy. You can figure out if they have a family or not, right? You can ask them about, well, hey, what do you do? What do you do for a living? So I'd, I love to ask people questions out of curiosity. So recreation, you can see when you're in somebody's home. Um, when I'm on the phone, you know, and the gal yesterday that called me, I first I hope I heard him a mess and tell me your story. Then she told me your story. And I, and in, and then I said to her, because it became natural. It wasn't clear to me. So I said, well, tell me your goal. What's your goal? Why do you want to buy a house? And so then she told me, <laughs> well, because I don't want to rent anymore because of this, because of that. She told me her, she told me her story, right? Show me a story. And it just listen, that's her dreams. That's Ford. It's just one piece of it. I don't have to do all, I don't have to do F-O-R-D. I just have to do pieces of it, right? So in that conversation, it was just a dreams part. Her dream is to own a home. She wasn't feeling confident when she called me. By the time we hung up the phone, she's in pre-approval. She's getting pre-approved. So um, take interest in what they're interested in. So, uh, you know, if I hear, I'm a mom. So whenever I hear somebody calling me and I'm, I'm doing this on the phone and they have kids in the background, I'm always like, oh, are those your kids? How old are they? Like, what do you have? What kind of boys or girls? You know, let them, they'll tell you, you can barely ask a question. I'm like, oh, that's my one-year-old. I had a, I had a potential client the other day and we had a phone appointment. Actually, we had a Zoom appointment at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I went to, to Zoom in and she wasn't there. So I text her and she called me and she's like, my one-year-old is driving me crazy. And I said, okay, we ended up rescheduling. And I'm like, oh, I got it. I'm a mom. I totally understand. Now my kids are 21, 21 and 15, but I remember being a mom to a one-year-old. I can relate to her on that. Right. So we ended up rescheduling and we got it done. We got it done, but take interest in what they're interested in. So um, building on common beliefs, things you can do. Um, I talked a little bit about matching and marrying. Um, you're this, you don't want this to be a one-up thing. But you kind of want it to be an and thing, you know. So if like when I talked about the golf thing, um, when they say when I see that they're like an avid golfer, it's cool for me to say I have an interest in golf because it's true. Now, four years ago, I didn't have any interest in golf. So I wasn't saying that. Right. But now it's true. So I went and took lessons last year with my husband and I'm, I'm going to do more of that this year. So so it's that's true. So that's something I can match with them on. Right. Um, language, more building on common beliefs. And we're talking to people. How do we use 
how we talk to them about things that they believe, whether we agree with them or not, how we talk to them about that. Like one, one concept I use a lot or technique, I should say, I use a lot is feel felt found. So when someone says to me, I just can't buy a house because the interest rates are so high. They're the highest they've ever been. Okay, now logically, you guys, they're not the highest they've ever been. And I don't agree with that. But I am not going to win that conversation. That's going to shut the other person down. So what do I do? I I just go, I have empathy first, right? So I'm going to put a couple of techniques together. I have empathy. I'm like, oh, I know. Because they were just three and a half like six weeks ago, right? Now they're five, five and a half, right? Depending on the person. Um, So yeah, they really are higher. And I'll say, I understand how you feel that way. You know, I have another client that felt that way too. And when we really looked at what, where interest rates are versus Yeah, I know where they just were, but even where they commonly have been outside of these last two years, what we found is, although they're higher right now than January or February, even March of this year, in a more normalized market, this is where they tend to sit. Really, between 5 and 7% is historically where they sat prior to March of 2020 or May of 2020. And I just kind of let them process that, you know, oh, really? But they're really high. Yeah. And so then I tell people it's not impossible. So this depends on the person too. But I always say it's not impossible. But yes, it's harder right now. It's harder to buy in a five and a half percent interest rate than it was in a three and a half percent interest rate because your buying power has changed, right? It's changed. But I use that feel, felt, found to give them an opportunity to hear my message. They don't have to agree with it yet. I'm not asking them to agree with me, but just to hear the message, but also to have empathy with them at the same time. So you can use that feel felt found for a lot of things. That's just one way I've been using it a lot lately because <laughs> I'm hearing that one a lot lately. I'm sure we all are. Um, you know, I And I tend to try to empathize versus sympathize with others. I want them to know like, oh, I do know how you feel. Sometimes you can't empathize. I have a client now that's having a is in the process of having a major organ transplant. I really can't empathize with what they're going through, right? But at the same time, we're having to manage a very big, challenging real estate transaction for them. Um, And normally, like we wouldn't want to do all of that at the same time, but their circumstances are such that we have to. So I really can't empathize with them, uh, but I can sympathize with where they are and adjust myself as much as possible to move them through the transaction continues to build on rapport with them. People want to feel that we're cooperating with them, right? Doesn't We don't have to show agreement, but just that we have cooperation. Um, another way to build rapport is to be on their side, right? Be on their side. See things through their filters, right? So, which is why I do a lot of yes and, you know, like agreement techniques. So, because I can... I can empathize with them and I can see it through their filter, but show them another perspective. Sometimes I'll even have to say, you know, okay, Lisa, I feel you. I get it. I see how you see it. And I may even talk about that, right? Repeat 
repeat what they just told me. You know, and if I'm not sure, I'll say, is that right? Did I get that right? Did I get that right? Just ask them. And then they'll either say yes, or they'll go, well, yes, but, and they'll tell me some more stuff, right? (laughs) And this takes time and patience. You know, you have to listen to them. And then I'll say, sometimes I'll even just be direct and say, can I, may I share another perspective with you? I do this a lot with sellers. Well, I guess I do it a lot with buyers too. I do this a lot. I'll use this example. I do this a lot with buyers, and I'm sure you guys do too. Buyers that were trying to build the winning offer because they really want the house. And I want them to understand the seller's perspective. How's the seller going to look at their offer and a pile of other offers? What is the seller's perspective going to be? Not, I'm not on the seller's side. I represent you, the buyer. I'm not on the seller's side. But I need them to understand the seller's perspective. So I need to hear how they feel. Like, I'm just getting raked over the coals and I have to give my firstborn child along with all my money and I have to write the highest offer and I can't even use a lender I want and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, yes, this is the toughest market. You're right. That is the position that you're in, Sophia. That is the position that you're in. Yes, that is where you are. Let me share for a minute how the seller is going to look not only in our offers, but all the offers. By the way, I'm on your side. But let me just share with you, just so you know, and then maybe that'll help us solidify what we want to do for you. Because I'm, I, I care about you. I care about getting you the house. Want to do that? Yeah, great. And then I can share what I need to share. Like, okay, this is why you got to do an appraisal gap. This is why you got to go 20,000 over. <laughs> like, this is why this is my opinion. Now tell me what you want to do, right? And now I can share it from how the seller is going to look at it. So how the listing agent's going to look at it, in my opinion, right? I can share that. So I see it through their filter first. I don't tell them they're wrong, but then I show them another perspective while empathizing with them. Um, Help them see the win-win, right? From the seven half, I think it's habit four and seven habits of highly effective people. Help them see the win-win. What's the win-win? If I offer an appraisal gap, How does that help me win? And how does that help the seller win? Because what it looks like to me is I'm giving away five grand or 10 grand for a house that I'm getting, that I'm, you know, that that I'm I'm getting at appraisal value. I'm overpaying. So it looks like to me, okay, well, you're right. That is what it looks like to you. Because you are overpaying. You're paying, if you're going to pay 5,000 more. That's right. Or 10,000 more, whatever that gap is. You're right. Let me explain to you how you win, how the seller wins. Can I do that? Like find the win-win. You don't have to use the language, but I did on this one. So buy into their goals. You know, really important through the rapport building process that you know what their goals are. That's why we do Ford, right? Family, occupation, recreation, dreams. You gotta, you, you got, I think I get to dreams more than anything else, right? Gotta get to what their goal is. Why they wanna sell the house? Why they wanna buy, buy the house? Where are they going? Why, what is their motivation? Once you know their motivation, you can help them remember that through the entire process because they get caught up in the emotion in a lot of cases and they forget the why. If we know what they want, we can find the with him, the with them. We can tune them into the with them station. What's in it for me? If you offer the appraisal gap at this price, you'll likely, can't promise you, but you'll likely win the offer or be in the top two. And what that does for the seller is X, Y, and Z. But what it does for you is X, Y, and Z. 
that's something you're interested in, you know? So, um, and make their goals, your goals. I've, I think I've said it naturally a few times here, but I always tell them, well, I know their goal. I want you to get that house in this area. I want you to get this house at this interest rate in this month, right? I want to get you, I want to get you, you know, 20,000 over list if I think I can do that, right? I want to get you this net number, Mr. Seller. There, your goal is my goal. Plus, I, I want to help you meet it. I want to help you beat it. They have to know, they're not going to know. They, it doesn't matter how much you know, they want to know how much you care, right? That all of this helps you build rapport. One more last thing as we wrap up that I'll share, um, you have to be certain. Let's be honest. How many times are we not certain as agents? A lot, you guys. We're not certain a lot. Sometimes we're really certain. We know in our soul. Think about the time you're the most certain about anything, whether it's in real estate or not. You're just been the most certain about anything. Get that in your brain. Think of the confidence you had when you were that certain about whatever it was you're thinking of. You were so certain. Think about the confidence you had. You need that in this job every day in all your conversations. Absolute certainty. You have to trust yourself. You have to trust your intuition. You have to be open to being wrong, right? But you can be certain always. You can manage expectations by being certain. The person who feels and communicates that they are the most certain will be the person who influences the most and builds the best rapport. Oftentimes when I win business, it's not always because um, it's not always because I was the, the lowest price or it's not because I agreed with everything the seller or buyer wanted to do or what they said. It's because I was certain and I got them to know that I care about them and their goals. That's what I hear. So that's what people want. I, you know, I know that for sure. And the, I'm telling you, this is a skill set. It's a skill set that we can all learn and sharpen and get better at. So go build some rapport today. Have a great, great day and a great Friday. Bye, everybody. Be certain. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.